What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? We've got an awesome panel today. Very excited. Uh, all first timers to the show. So happy to have them all. Uh, we're going to be diving in. We've got plenty to be bullish about this week. Um, maybe we'll get a little bit spicy. We'll see what the comments dictate. Uh, nonetheless, this is live. Anything can happen. So I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you have not already, like, subscribe, share, all those things, super important, helps get this content in front of more eyeballs. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Before we bring in our panelists, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. This is timechaincalendar.com. We're sitting at 21595 bucks per Bitcoin. A single US dollar will pick you up 4,631 sats. 91.84% of all Bitcoin have been mined, which is 19.29 million of them. And in terms of fees, a little high right now, 26 sats per byte for next block, even if you're willing to wait for a while, still looking at high double digits, 17 sats per byte. Uh, so use RBF, do what you got to do. Uh, just be aware. Um, shout out to sponsors of the show, Nunchuck. Uh, if you haven't tried out Nunchuck, first of all, it's just a badass wallet, but they just recently rolled out their inheritance planning and assisted multi-sig plan called Honey Badger. I did a full video on it. Awesome. It works with Tab Signer, Cold Card, and a ton of other awesome hardware options. You can set up an assisted multi-sig uh, for the Honey Badger option. It is a two of four. They'll hold a key, so they become a, key, a signer of last resort. And then you also set up inheritance planning so that you can pass on your sats without any worry. You can get rid of uh, all of those uh Again, inheritance worries that you may have dealing with Bitcoin. And it's very simple uh, to, to pass it on. And on top of that, no KYC. You don't have to give up all your information. You don't have to sign up with anything uh, other than an email address. And they have you covered. So check them out. If you haven't checked out my full tutorial, uh, you can find that on my YouTube channel. Uh, shout out to CoinKite. Love these guys. Best hardware in the game. I love my cold card Mark IV for securing my stack. And did you see they just announced the cold card Q1? <laughs> it looks like an old school Palm Pilot or something. But this thing isn't a joke. Like it's got NFC. It's got QR scanning. Uh, and then it's got the uh, SD cards as well. A dual SD card slot. Uh, it can be powered by the USB-C or by uh, AAA batteries, I believe. And it has the QWERTY uh, keyboards for quick entry of passphrases, things like that. And this full LCD screen, very excited to get my hands on one and do a video. But yeah, they, they have just all the best hardware in the game. Be sure to check them out. You can use code BTC sessions for 5% off everything in the store. Uh, start nine up next, Sovereign Computing Solution. I've done a full video on how to run your Bitcoin stack, Bitcoin Core, Lightning Node, things like mempool.space, join market, but you can also host your data. You can run a Nostr relay and a Nostr client. You can uh, be hosting your passwords, your files, all of that stuff. And you can get your data out of the hands and core of corporations 
and host it in a self-sovereign way. You can check them out for the Embassy One, or if you're looking for something super beefy, the Embassy Pro. Uh, and finally, if you're stacking sats and you're looking to do so uh, in a way that is peer-to-peer, -peer, gives you instant self-custody, and doesn't require KYC, again, uh, check out HODL HODL. You can sign up in minutes with nothing more than an email address and be trading peer-to-peer -peer in no time. They do also have a lending platform, which never is rehypothecated. Done a full tutorial. Check them out. These guys are awesome. Links are down below. But with that, let's bring in our panel. Very excited to have them. Uh, I'll welcome to the stage Rob Hamilton, John Gordon, Aaron Foster. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I appreciate all of you coming to join me on a Friday evening. And uh, let's do a round of intros. I'd love to hear who are you and what do you do for anybody that may be unfamiliar. Rob, we'll go to you first. Sure, yeah. Hey, everyone. My name is Rob Hamilton, uh, founder and CEO of AnchorWatch. Uh, we are a company that is focusing on bringing insurance to Bitcoin. And it'll tie into some of how we're doing that uh, as to why I'm bullish later. But just to say that i uh, excited to be here. I'm actually at Bitcoin Park this week. It's a great venue. Anyone who wants to swing by through Nashville, definitely come check it out. It's been a great time. Awesome. Well, glad to have you, man. Uh, very excited to hear uh, more about that in a minute. Uh, let's jump down to Aaron. Welcome to the show, man. Give yourself a, a little intro. Hey, guys. Uh, ben, thanks for having me. Rob, John, great to meet you. Um, pleasure to be on the panel with you all. Uh, said Aaron, uh, director of business development with Luxor, uh, so primarily known for, for being a Bitcoin mining pool, uh, making a splash on the ordinal scene uh, uh, earlier this week. Um, we we're focused on mainly software services to support uh, the Bitcoin mining space um, within North America, but also worldwide. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show and, and, and riff on uh, the benefits of Bitcoin. Love it. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, man. I'm sure there's going to be many many uh spicy comments given what's been going on the past couple of weeks we'll we'll dive into that soon uh but i digress uh let's uh jump lastly to john dude good to see you i got to meet you in person uh for Halloween uh in in charlotte but uh good to have you on the show finally can you give yourself a little intro sure thanks so much for having me ben and good to be with you guys rob and aaron that was a great event in, in charlotte we had a lot of fun uh, a little beef to start off the weekend and, and Halloween, good times in, in October. Um, John Gordon, the Bitcoin yogi, um, head of business development for Crowd Health, uh, Bitcoin-based alternative to health insurance. So I'm sure we'll get into the insurance space a little bit. Uh, we're doing that through healthcare crowdfunding, negotiating directly for bills, and stacking sats, saving Bitcoin instead of paying health insurance premiums. So uh, diving into healthcare and Bitcoin uh, and really excited to be here, super bullish about Bitcoin and feel like the conviction's growing every single day. So excited to dive in. Awesome. Awesome. Well, dude, I'm glad to have you. Glad to have you all. Um, yeah, let's dive into it. Anybody watching that is unfamiliar, this show is Why Are We Bullish? And so everybody brings a reason why they're feeling bullish, something that they're excited about, something top of mind, and it can be really anything that tickles their fancy. Uh, so we go by the three R's here. Somebody's going to drop a reason why they're bullish. Then we're all together going to riff on that reason. And then finally, we're going to rotate until everybody gets a turn. So reason, riff, rotate, simple. I'm going to get us started off this week. Um, and so, so mine is kind of, 
it's a singular reason, but there it's it kind of encapsulates a few things, which I you know I won't go too deeply into, but um, uh, just as a general premise, I, I think we're kind of watching the the Bitcoiner thesis um, in and around uh, you know Bitcoin kind of sucking the air out of the room play out in slow motion. And what I mean by this is. Um, we're getting a lot of the like I told you so moments uh, kind of coming, especially the beginning of this year and the end of last year. We, we've, we've had a lot of those where we say, of course, this was going to happen at some point or another. So like, a, you know, just I, I sent out a tweet uh, yesterday where I said, you know, things that people didn't want to hear uh, that turned out to be true. You are the yield. Self-custody is important everything will be built atop Bitcoin and ETH staking is a security. Uh, and, and we'll see, you know, more examples of that in the future, I'm sure, uh, of, of things that Bitcoiners have talked about and, and said, well, this is probably coming at some point or another. I'm sure we'll have many more check marks on that. Um, so I, I guess the reason I'm bullish is, again, because... Bitcoin is is kind of un, a unique beast when you look at it against the plethora of everything else. And we're seeing kind of a lot of things come to fruition. We, we've seen like this move against Kraken just the other day where everybody's saying, well, I mean, whether you're pro-regulation or not, you could kind of see it coming if there's somebody to point to to say, Hey, you know, is this uh, an investment of money in a common enterprise uh, with expect expectation of profit based on the efforts of those individuals? I mean, if it fit, if it ticks those boxes, then it, it will be treated as such. Um, and Bitcoin isn't that because there's nobody to point to. Um, and, you know, we see examples of this because currently, of course, we have uh, we we have people and we'll get into this topic momentarily, I'm sure. Uh, but people fighting about how Bitcoin should be used. Right. You, and, and right now it's it's kind of unclear as to like if anybody gets to say how that plays out. But that's that's a symptom of there's nobody to, to talk to. There's nobody to go to and say we need to change this. It's it's kind of like everybody has to cohesively together decide on that and if there's no cohesion then it's kind of the status quo so nonetheless um i'm bullish because it seems that up to this point bitcoiners have been very right in slow motion and we're starting to have a few of those victory laps of like well there's another one there's another one. So I'm going to open it up to you guys and and I'll, I'll ask kind of, do you concur? Um, and then if so, what are some of those other ticked boxes that you think might be coming down the line? Or if you don't concur, where do you think we missed the mark? So I'll, I'll open it up to anybody who wants to dive in. So where the where we've missed the mark, or uh, where we're kind of seeing our thesis being played out right now, almost like a narrative check on Bitcoin as a movement. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting. Like, look, I the the finer details I haven't paid too much attention to, but the stuff with Kraken, just as you kind of laid out the prongs of the Howey test before, offering a yield service is a security. It's mm-hmm. not a. It, it's interesting because everyone refers to um, the Howey test. They think, is it a test of is your thing a security or not? It's that's not what the Howey test was about. The Howey mm-hmm. test was originally about orange groves. So mm-hmm. it's not about is your thing a security. It's is your offering an investment contract that is a, a security, right? That vehicle of like how you convey a relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. And very apparently the idea that you're going to get, um, you know, it, it comes off like a security. It doesn't have to literally be equity in something. And I think it's something that um, maybe more stringent compliance lawyers would have shot down ahead of time saying this is a problem. It's almost though on the other side of it, frustrating the 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 regulatory clarity and regu- uh, and through enforcement of how the SEC operates in general because uh, this stuff was going around for a while I think before Kraken got on board uh, like BlockFi was the first one that kind of we already knew this was coming when BlockFi got shut down on this mm-hmm. so it was the writing was already on the wall uh, when people say like we just need like clarity uh, it's sometimes being used disingenuously because you know what you're doing. You just haven't been caught yet. But in the same breath, like it, to me, I just find it frustrating where like, why would they move so slow? And they took, this was the time to do it. And I think there's a lot of coordination. If you look at um, just uh, operation choke point 2.0, what they're calling it, just the complete shutdown of all of these like crypto banking services and like interaction with the fiat world and, and Bitcoin. I view it as uh, definitely more of a coordinated political effort. I think it's pretty apparent. And I'll, I'll pause there. I don't want to hog the room. <laughs> All good. Anybody else want to dive in? Uh, it's it's tough to kind of, you know, pinpoint regulation. I, I mean, I think we might be giving these guys a bit too much credit when you look at kind of coordinated attack. Uh, to me, I guess my point of view, and this is just my humble personal point of view, is when you when you've worked for kind of state corporations and, and which I have in, in previous uh, roles, um, they move very slow. And I'm talking like in, in the realm of years. So I kind of get the sense when you come down to the Ethereum side of things or the, you know, the Kraken and, and the regulations. Come, I think it's just like, hey, who can we go after to show progress as qu- uh, quickly and swiftly? Um, and as opposed to, you know, airing out the dirty laundry for for as long as it has. So where I kind of see them acting is just like low-hanging fruit, like kind of like what we saw with those, um, I think was it a couple months ago about that, that exchange, the Bits Lotto exchange or something like that, that they took down. Like I, nobody had heard of that prior to. So I think they're just looking for like low-hanging fruit to go after to show, hey, we, we're doing something in the public eye. I think where a lot of um, assistance needs to be done, and I think the whole industry, um, not just Bitcoin, but just the crypto industry in general, just again, these that, that clarification, regulation, and guidance. I think Jesse Powell sent out a pretty uh, good tweet, I think it was earlier today, just on say, hey, like we're happy to comply, or just, just give us some guidelines to go by, and then you know, kind of uh, don't, um, you know, don't like pull the wool over eyes with stuff like this. So it's when I look at the longer term thing, I think there's definitely um, more regulation uh, coming in play in the longer term. It'll be a little bit more, there'll be a lot more clarity around it for certain uh, industry players, but where it's going to go in the short term, I think it's just like low hanging fruit, uh, like what we saw with the crack and um, stuff today coming out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, the one thing I'll say about what Gensler is it was interesting. Uh, one comment that he made, uh, a few times in different um, 
interviews and everything uh, seems to be in direct opposition of one thing that Bitcoiners have been worried about is regulation in and around self-custody because he encouraged it. Um, he used the, the phrase, you know, not your keys, not your coins um, multiple times. And uh, it's interesting to see the head of the SEC, you know, mentioning that um, while all having other heads of state basically floating um, legislation that would make uh, self-custody potentially very difficult uh, for the average person. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. And having, you know, that Bitcoin thesis playing out and not only Aaron, is it the low hanging fruit, but it's those centralized entities, right? And it's those companies that have been collecting coins, right? And, and offering these services where they say you're going to get a yield. And I think everyone at this point with what happened in 2022 and all the, the failures there and seeing there's still probably more dominoes you know, to fall and with Bitcoin and even he's afraid of saying, or he isn't saying not your keys, not your Bitcoin. He's still you know, using <laughs> crypto, but I think we're seeing the difference between Bitcoin and crypto and understanding yeah, it's a decentralized platform. There's the ability, really the point of Bitcoin and why I'm so bullish too. And, and echoing, uh, you know, Ben, why you're bullish because you can self custody. That's the beauty of Bitcoin. We can hold our own wealth ourselves and 12 words in our head and all the amazing tools that are out there to to self-custody in the different ways that individuals get to decide what's best for them. Um, but I think we're seeing it's not best for the individual to reintroduce that element of trust with your coins and knowing that there can and will be this you know sort of crackdown coming. Do, do you think, um, and I, I recognize that we've kind of honed in specifically on on this this singular story but do you think that um this changes significantly the dynamic of of how these exchanges function in terms of and and maybe if clientele stick with them because like the the major draw tended to be you know the the flashy lights and casino vibe that you'd get from it right it's like oh you know deposit here get your yield trade. This went up, this went down, you know, your notifications of like how much the market is moving to encourage you to trade here and there and everywhere. Um, but when, when that goes out the window, um, do you think it results in more people self custodying and maybe less people speculating on some of the BS out there? I think that's the that's the benefit of some of these this stuff coming down, right? Like it opens up people's eyes to it. Um, you know the the Celsius stuff, the BlockFi stuff. Um, you know, I, I think I don't know the stats offhand, but like I mean that that created a, a ton of hodlers, just just natural. You know, hmm. uh, you, probably some of the people that you wouldn't even expect that don't want to admit it, right? Everything's in cold storage. I know, you know, admittedly for myself, uh, all of my stuff is in 100% cold storage for the first time, probably in about five years, you know, yeah. um, which, you know, it, it was, a, it was a, a definitely eye opening. Um, you know, you kind of apply some of the the shockwaves that have gone through the industry, whether it's a BlockFi thing or a Celsius thing. You know, even on the Bitcoin mining side, uh, you know, we see um, people even looking at decentralizing some of their mining stuff because they're, they're looking at some of those like external risks and what could come in a, come down in the future. So it's it's naturally a good thing. You have these booms and busts and it kind of refocuses people's attention to what's important. And, you know, self-custody is obviously being one of the most important things of that. 
um, you know, something that that Luxor specifically being who we are in the mining pool space, you know, it's something that we encourage our clients to do first and foremost on the mining pool side, mm -hmm. um, which is quite interesting when you start to look at user behavior there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if anything, these these lessons um, and, and all, you know, all these points that Bitcoiners have kind of brought up through the years being ticked off at that list of you know, maybe that was a good call. Um, it's it is driving people towards better behavior after touching the stove. So, you know, yeah, it, I think it's just uh, as a point there, it, Bitcoin goes through these cycles of boom bust traditionally. And what you typically have happen is some fraction of the people who are burned go towards the Bitcoin side. Yes. And to your point about like, is this going to end? No, there's going to, it was ICOs last cycle. It was yield. This cycle is going to be something else next cycle. And this is just a continual data poll about how, you know, holding your own keys, not, uh, not being in a position where you're uh, the yield for someone else to make a lot of money. There's just the idea that it, it's just, it's a journey. All of this is a journey. So while uh, I believe there is uh, people, there are people who kind of migrate over to this side of the fence and, and holding their Bitcoin. You're still going to have most people who are going to find the next cycle, the next type thing. And it's inevitably going to happen. And I think uh, part of our job is just education and being able to bring people along that journey because uh, it's a very long, it's a very difficult concept in, in, to in some to try to digest Bitcoin in all of its different facets. The idea of holding your own money is a very foreign thing for people. And there's a lot of cultural pressure in general to not have that mindset. So it's just a gradual journey that we should all be expecting. Knowing full well, next cycle, four years from now, we're going to be having the same conversation. And it's going to be some sort of crazy thing. And we're going to be like, how did they all miss it? Like, and But then like we're just going to be able to incrementally grow our numbers. You know, it's a slow and uh, it's a long-term oriented movement. Yeah. Who, who yeah, has I kids? I don't want to dox anyways. But uh, it's kind of like uh, for those oh, yeah. for those of us, sorry, John, for those of us with young kids, you're just like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then, you know, I feel like that's like the Bitcoin, you know, whether you're Max or whatever, but that's the Bitcoin kind of scene. And then they do it and then, you know, they come kind of crying back to you. And then, you know, there's an educational moment in there. So yeah. uh, for us, I feel like it's like on the kind of like a three to four year kind of cycle, but uh, very similar to, to having kids. So, yeah, sorry, John, very, very similar to dealing with four year olds, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and interestingly, I think this cycle too, and, you know, the question that hasn't been answered for the platforms and others is, there isn't an ability to unstake your ETH right now. So out of these platforms, it hasn't even been programmed. So there'll be more people that learn the hard way. I think that, you know, may have started to go down the rabbit hole, but haven't, you know, fully made that distinction. And now it's been made easy to explain, you know, here's the difference between proof of work and proof of stake. And this is what's happening. If you're proof of stake, people, especially if there could be a run, whenever that ability is made to truly store your wealth in an actual you know, time chain. That, that's a fascinating point, specifically uh, with all of the regulatory lockdown of the exchanges. Uh, the exchanges were the largest like stakers. And now there's, there may very well be, I'm not sure how you unwind that necessarily. If they're not allowed to offer yield anymore, that becomes a massive cost center for those exchanges. Uh, it's actually somewhat ironic. I think it may have been Nick Carter. I forgot who said it on Twitter, but the idea though, that if, if Kraken just like offered this service and they didn't like pass it on to their customers, it would have been fine because it wouldn't have been a common offering of like, you know, joint gains. Uh, the exchanges are going to have to really work on that. And it's very interesting in Ethereum that, that a lot of capital and time was put into this solution of proof of stake. 
And we already saw it centralizing. Maybe this is a hope that they could have some fra fractal sense of decentralization. But I'm sure that the devs are going to be pushing out a bunch of hard forks <laughs> in the near future and kind of continually tinkering with it, right? So uh, we'll see what the narrative reset is next. But it's a that's a really good point, though, about uh, these exchanges. Their role in the in the system was very centralized, and now uh, they are no longer going to have that leverage by uh, gaining access to the protocol in exchange for passing around yield. It. I mean, it. It. It does, at least for the time being, dampen the the Cantillon effect that would have taken place with with the exchanges. Uh, but also, the moment that you know they can unstake, how many of those people that were just staking through the exchanges because it was easy and they didn't know how to do it themselves are then not going to go and stake? And so, like, does that result in like a mass dumping of of ETH at that point because you can no longer state? Like, but you can't unstake, and no, you need exactly. thirty-two ETH, and you need thirty-two ETH. You need thirty-two ETH. So people were sending like three ETH to an exchange and staking. They can't even access it. So they don't, even if they wanted to, like they have to go through a lot more convoluted security schemes to try and like do that. Yeah, yeah, should be. That'll be that'll be another uh, tick on the list, I suppose. <laughs> I see that coming down the pipe. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. So, nonetheless, uh, we'll, we'll cap that that topic there. Thank you for uh, indulging me on that. Uh, I got to give a shout out to a couple of people in the chat here before we do a rotation. First of all, yellows here. Red Bull runs through my veins. It's Friday LFG. Uh, and I got to give a shout out to a parenting win here uh, on daddy duty tonight from Edgar. He said my seven-year-old daughter created a, a received QR code for a few thousand sats this week. First time proud papa. Hats off to that parenting win. Good job. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, we're going to uh, do a rotation. Actually, Rob, I'm going to jump to you first, and I'm just going to cue you up with a simple question. Why are you bullish? Why am I bullish? Uh, I am bullish because of Miniscript. Uh, Miniscript is something that actually came out of the Blockstream team, Peter Will, Andrew Polstra, and later Sanket uh, in 2018. The idea here is that Bitcoin... Uh, and I'm going to keep it moderately technical. I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds, but Bitcoin has its own smart contracting language called Bitcoin script. It's actually a language uh, Satoshi invented when he wrote Bitcoin. And what Bitcoin script is, think of it as the, um, the actual like instruction manual for how to spend a UTXO. So if you have money somewhere and the very basic ones we all know are like a single SIG or you have a multi-SIG, right? And those are actually represented in little uh, stack elements from a computer science uh like the computer uh, science, like mindset uh, programming framework. So what Miniscript does is Miniscript allows us to kind of use the larger toolkit of Bitcoin opcodes. There's 256 of them. We only in average use on data, there's like 50-ish, depending on what you're doing. These are things like time locks, which are used in Lightning, um, you know, opcheck multisig, uh, like they're like, they're all bucket of these things. And what uh, the research team did, they were able to kind of create little modular Lego bricks and you could actually chain interesting conditions together. So one example would be a two of three multi-sig, right? One that we have today. Uh, you know, let's say the three of us are holding keys. Uh, I, I'm a customer somewhere. Uh, I hold one key, maybe uh, BTC Sessions holds a key and Aaron holds a key, right? Uh, if you two could run off with the money, that would be a problem for me. What's interesting in Miniscript is you could actually set up key hierarchies where you could actually have one person required to sign and then it's one of the other two. Mm. Additionally, you can do really interesting things like time locks. So you could say after 
even before I talk about time locks, just the idea you also can do and statements and or statements. Mm. So I can say this two of three must sign and this three of five must sign. Very mm. interesting concept where you could start doing and, and changing the model of what it is to have custody and access to Bitcoin. Uh, time locks are another layer because the moment you start thinking about like, well, this is really crazy. Like what happens if I get hit by a bus and I'm not able to access my keys anymore? A time lock in a very simple sense, a concept that's been thrown around for a long time in Bitcoin is a decaying multisig. The idea, let's say I have a five of five. And if I don't sign for six months, it becomes a four or five and a three or five. And it kind of works its way down to, for like a redundancy sake. And these are all things you can combine with each other. And it makes it really, really exciting about the opportunities we're going to be able to have and how we are going to be able to custody Bitcoin in new involved ways. Uh, and it's something that it, I've been spearheading for the past couple of months. Uh, it's integral for what we're doing at Anchor Watch. And just to be clear, like, Miniscript is open source software. I'm building a lot of developer tools that are going to help others be able to understand and use this uh, more effectively. Uh, and actually, I'm using a lot of the work from the Bitcoin dev kit, the BDK team, who was here this week in the park. And Alicos, Danielle, Steven, like they are um, Thunder Biscuit. They're all incredibly smart devs uh, working on a very hard problem of taking a software stack and being able to make it so that if you want to build a wallet or you want to build some sort of technology with Bitcoin, you don't have to start all the way at the beginning with the really hard complex cryptography. You can pick this up, you can start um, you know, using it for your specific use cases so you can build the rest of your experience and not have to worry about uh, maintaining a large stack of wallet software. So that's uh, at a very high level, Miniscript is something that I'm incredibly bullish about. It's great for our insurance use case because we're distributing across multiple institutions, which allows us to have more robust security models. Yeah, so that's why I'm bullish. That's uh, that's super. I love the 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 intricacy oh. you can get into there. Sorry, go ahead. No fork, no fork required. Just want to make that clear. This is no mm -hmm. fork required for this. Yeah, yeah. This is this is no fork. Yeah. So. I mean, that, that, that plays into, cause I mean, I was talking about nunchuck off the top of the show and they, they do kind of like a inheritance type thing. So like that, mm -hmm. that mindset can play in there. Cause right now, um, they, they, the, the inheritance key is, is like an internal, um, time lock type thing. You know, it can mm -hmm. redeem like as a single signer. Uh, at a certain point in time, or rather like with them signing, they'll sign with their key at a certain point in time for certain people. Um, but they are toying with obviously adding in like actual on-chain time locks. And so you could, you know, have, you know, set your inheritance uh, mm -hmm. collection date like a year out and then update mm -hmm. that time lock over time to extend it out as it, as it gets closer. So you don't get in a situation where you're you know, it, it, something happens to you and then your family has to wait like a decade and a half to access the Bitcoin, you can just kind of um, piecemeal it out. But yeah, being able to incorporate that in a way where it's like, it's it's a, you know, an X of X multi-sig until this point in the future, at which point this singular key can then claim the sats. Um, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah, I it's love that. a really powerful tool. Time locks are incredibly powerful, but also you have to be, concern from a design space, how do you make that accessible to users? Because you don't want them to accidentally mess something mm -hmm. up and lock away their money for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, what's really cool about relative time locks, which is uh, one of the two types. That, uh, so the difference is uh, meet me in 90 minutes versus meet me at three o'clock. Three o'clock is an objective time. So you can pick an objective block height and that's when your lock expires. Or you can say once every 144 blocks, which is a day, or let's say once every 100,000 blocks. 
This actually allows you to create a dead man switch in Bitcoin, a relative time lock, because the time lock starts when you put money into the UTXO. So when, that's when the timer begins. So let's say you're alive a year from now, you want to refresh your security, you just do another self send to yourself. And that actually allows you to be able to uh, reset the timer. And up until this week, and I won't go into details, I thought this was going to be one of the ways we could start building a robust fee market because you'd have a lot of people who are self-custing, sending money back and forth to himself, like a lot to refresh their time locks. But what I will say is that it's just really exciting to have fun ways to play with Bitcoin again, mm -hmm. like to find new ways. Uh, I think uh, we all kind of... Uh, had like post-traumatic stress from all of the crazy uh, DeFi cycles in 2017, like everything was on ice. And we're finding interesting ways of being able to interact with Bitcoin that we hadn't previously considered. And it's making, uh, I'm really bullish just on the future. If you compare legacy multi-sig of what we have today, like going from single sig to multi-sig uh, was a huge step function up in security and being able to like offer services and being able to like add value to people who are holding their Bitcoin. Going from multi like the legacy multi-sig to mini script is going to be this additional stem function up to extend a very robust deep rich re, deep reaching ecosystem and you're going to be able to do it for whatever your use cases are if you don't want to use it you don't have to if you want to have very small minimal things you can if you want to get really involved with your custody it's all up to you because these are these this, this code is all open source and you'll be able to build this the way you want to that's interesting i'm wondering if any of this conversation, either for Aaron on the mining front, um, like payouts and all that kind of stuff, or John in and around like the the what you guys are doing with uh, with uh, crowd health, like is this kind of bringing uh, use cases to mind? Is it like, or are you are, are you well? Yeah, I was gonna. Ask, I was that was actually my question for Rob. Like, what? I, I mean, obviously, the inheritance planning, uh, sort of my business development mind's going right now, just about use cases for our Definitely. users and stuff like that. But like, what what kind of use cases do you see beyond just like inheritance planning? Just out of curiosity for my kind of simple brain. But like, I, I could easily think of some, you know, on the mining side. But just out of curiosity. Yeah, I mean, it's really integral for us at insurance. So at a very high level, just to kind of call out here, there is. Uh, fractional reserve or illusory insurance today you leave all of your money at one place at a custodian they charge you a lot of money and in the event they get hacked or they lose the money they don't have enough insurance to actually cover their entire cost basis of what they're holding it's pennies on the dollar in the event that some of these larger custodians like have it like have some sort of problem and for me being able to think about it from a mindset of having multiple institutions distributing risk. The reason why it's uninsurable, by the way, just from an insurance perspective, is all of the risk is concentrated at one place, the company holding the keys. You can have crazy security systems, multi-sigs all around the world, but it's all one company. They all roll, roll up to one um, officer and director, board of directors, and that centralizing force is toxic for insurance. You can't have it all sitting at one spot. Mm -hmm. And that's what Miniscript's going to be able to do. You can do distribution of keys. And as I mentioned earlier, you could have you as the customer have a two of three. And then maybe we'll probably have a two of three. And then maybe we'll have a two of three of different um, other people who have opted in to uh, be participants in signing that. And it's, I find to be a huge step function because uh, I've been spending a lot of time talking to institutional capital, multifamily offices, hedge funds, uh, uh, portfolio managers, they don't want to allocate more to Bitcoin because there is no insurance. It's a very big reason if you're any sort of institutional money, they're saying, listen, it's already part of like my alternative asset bucket. And mm -hmm. if something goes wrong, I, I, I can't have that go to zero. So de-risking capital is such an important function in how you're able to kind of 
grow the capital markets in general. And that's not just Bitcoin. That's just everything. It's in health insurance. It's in property insurance. Like, like that's how uh, it's actually a large part of like the founding of America was underwriting the risk of sending the exploring ships overseas was being able to because if you were if you were ultimately like a, a moderately wealthy person, you would, you know, try and like send a ship off to get spices. And if that ship sank, you were dead, like you were broke. You're, and so insurance was this huge like way of unlocking things. So it's going to be a really big upgrade to Bitcoin just in this digital golden asset because gold can get insured. Uh, Bitcoin should be able to get insured too because it's even better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Really, the use cases for institutions and for businesses to feel more comfortable in holding their own Bitcoins. I think a lot of that's been outsourced to third parties because of that risk issue and being able to have more situational uh, flexibility with Bitcoin and multi-sig or multi-sig within multi-sig and who gets what keys and when. And I think that timing aspect too, obviously we're living in uh, you know, a world where there's digital nomads and people switching jobs and moving around. The economy is super fluid uh, and who holds those keys to Bitcoin from an organizational perspective is super mm -hmm. important. So yeah, that's really exciting um, that those mini scripts uh, you know, continue to be built and in, in easier and more flexible, I think, so that you can really have an open book for a potential customer institution, say what works for you. And it's pro it will get very personal and you know, they might have their personal stack too, as you're saying, as an alternative investment, but making it easier for you know, institutions to really hold it on their balance sheet in addition to you know, the FASB, the accounting updates that are coming down the pipeline as well. I think we'll see more and more and more of that. Yeah, like the, the way I think of it is like on our side is like for for an easy use case is just like now that like larger and larger uh, speaking about Bitcoin mining in general is, um, you know, there's larger and larger institutions getting into the space, like larger and larger miners uh, during bull runs. There's obviously a lot more uh, USD value in Bitcoin, as an example. Uh, so there's a lot more call it USD value at stake uh, for a lot of these corporations. A lot of the where we're a lot immature as a space on the on the Bitcoin mining side is just like role based permissions, um, custody solutions. Right. That was kind of what came out of, uh, you know, the call it the 2020, 2021 kind of uh, run up. But when you start to look at um, uh, you know, mini scripts as an example, I think that provides a, a, a huge benefit to some of these more sophisticated uh, guys getting in the space. I'm, I'm thinking about Alex Brammer over at Talent Energy and then those guys, right, where you basically have a nuclear facility and understanding the complexities of a facility like that and how much, uh, I don't want to use the word regulation, but how much controls are in place for an organization like that, uh, you know, that's a solution that they could be, uh, implement, which would kind of suit their hierarchical structure, right? So it's not going to be just like two guys that have, you know, potentially access to that account or custody account. There's going to be a little more, um, uh, I guess, mature in that space, right? And one of the guys I love talking to is Cam Strom over at uh, Unchained Capital. Uh, he educated me quite a bit on like the inheritance planning. Sorry, Cam, I got I to gotta call you back, I know, but, um, you know, it's just for my own personal stuff. But uh, it's, you know, it's fascinating to watch because until you see somebody fight through some of the, some of the stuff that's out there, it's, um, it can be um, really eye-opening as to, um, just how basic some of the, the custody solutions are out there. So that the mini script idea and what you're kind of building out is like super fascinating. I feel like where we would be in like three to five years, an example, like that would be like commonplace um, with agree. the ability there rather than just like, you know, two or three multi-sig, which was I feel like groundbreaking in like 2017. But uh, if you can layer this on, like that'd be fantastic. So yeah, 
I, I was just going to say what, so what has to happen for this kind of stuff to start being accessible to, to your average person? Yeah. So ledger hardware wallet supports the biggest one ledger already has uh, support for it today. So okay. I already have like full functional working demos. that works with ledger um, Sal over at ledger really pioneered pushing this forward and having this enabled. Uh, I was on Citadel Dispatch last month and Rodolfo was in town and Rodolfo was saying that he wasn't really thinking about, like it wasn't anywhere in the near future. And then three days after the mining summit, he tweeted out that they'll be adding it. So Cold Card is already working on adding it. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Rodolfo was also here this week at Bitcoin Park if you were watching RHR earlier today. Yeah, like uh, it's, uh, I was kind of having a fun time ribbing him on how he flipped on that. But hardware wallet supports a really big piece. And then on the higher level too, just I view it as uh, developer tooling to actually getting more people in the space. Uh, I don't want to be the only person building on this. And there's a lot of low hanging fruit from a technical side of what I'm navigating right now. And I've actually been working on just pushing all that code out and like trying to make it more available to be able to get people to like touch and play with this stuff. That's going to be a really big piece so that the user experience can get dialed in. That's another really big piece is just because I technically can conceptually get it working on a screen. Uh, my co my co-founder Becca will look at him like, Hey, it works. It's like, look at this new feature. And she's like, it needs to be like a normal person needs to be able to look at this, Rob. So you're gonna need to go back and do that again, right? So it's hardware wallet support. It's uh, you know getting getting uh, additional just like the developer tooling out there and the user experience. Those are gonna be like, but what's mm -hmm. so exciting? These are all brand new just like design just like decision problems that we have in Bitcoin, and it makes it really interesting to kind of work in a new frontier and kind of like playing around with that opportunity. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's gonna be the best for everyone. And like my favorite use case is the idea that. You can set it up in such a way that you can hold a key, distribute a bunch of keys elsewhere, but the money can't move unless you sign. Like that's such a powerful concept that you can have this massive fracturing and um, of like what it means to do custody. And you have like negative controls, like a negative control being like, oh, I never, like you can have a vendor, like I can never spend your money, but you can't spend it within this time lock window unless I sign off on it, right? So they're not a custodian, they're just like a, like a toll gate making sure that like you're following through all of your right procedures. And then the one final piece I find really exciting here is that you're able to actually set this up with a series of decaying multi-sig. So I just mentioned that negative toll gate. Let's say they become hostile. They don't want to work with you anymore. You could have a branch after a long enough period of time. I call this the sovereign veto where you just get to unilaterally withdraw your keys again. It's, it's just like all of these different, like, and this is what's so exciting. I, I've been working on this for the past couple of months and more people are starting to talk about it. And the ideas that are starting to bubble up of what this is going to look like, it's going to make things really exciting. So three to five years from now, I see fully end-to-end -end great user experience, interoperability from different like uh, products and wallets and vendors too, because you don't want to have one single point that's going to be the only way you can use it because that's its own socializing force in its own right. It's going to empower users of Bitcoin, whether they are individuals looking for sovereign use cases like a... Uh, decaying multi-sig to large complicated enterprise level solutions from the insurance side of what we're building there's just going to be so much opportunity and it's going to make it so much easier uh as the the technicalities get ironed out and they dissolve into the background makes me incredibly bullish holy shit i just realized there's going to be a whole industry of people that help set up the it like it what these are going to look like i think of mm -hmm. you know people that that reach out to me and say, oh, I, I want help setting up my hardware wallet or setting up a multi-sig. Imagine the, the, like, the consultants and the people that are going to help up out 
like corporations setting up these these mini script or yeah these mini script uh uh you know two of three and three of five and if this happens this happens and like corporate structures in and around this stuff it's going to be a whole specialized like almost in place of maybe in place of or in tandem with like the legal side of things like writing out contracts yeah. now the digital like at, at the end of the day who actually owns these assets because you know ownership is 10 tenths of the law in bitcoin so like it just <laughs> absolutely and just two things one we're doing that or like like in those conversations because uh, we are holding the risk and since we're holding the risk we want to have some insight on like what is your setup that you're using right because if it goes wrong we have to pay you out and that's i view us as a skin in the game aligned partner but you get to hold keys not risk and as an institution that is such a great relief um and the second point uh as a call to action for the overall industry to your exact point um ben about like these like templates i want to have like five to 10 templates from different use cases that we all can like interact and understand with each other and have all of the Bitcoin, like, like adversarial thinking sphere, poke holes in all of them. And that's as a community can start thinking about what these generalized templates look like. And then you can actually even maybe encode them into a certain like BIP where like, oh, I'm using a BIP 433 um, A vault, right? Like these are like the kind of like I was talking about this earlier today with the BDK team, like these are the interesting design things, but it's wide open space. It's it's full mm -hmm. prairie at the moment, and there's a lot of really interesting things and in ways this is going to go. Yeah, it's almost like that again. Like you get a legal template of like a you know whatever is some sort of legal agreement for your typical contract on on whatever. You you just go and you pull your your BIP template for a particular <laughs> use. I think yeah, that's fantastic. Where, where my head goes is like as simple as like giving my kid allowance at like you know a specific interval. You know what I mean? And then like <laughs> yes. to John's to John's business, right? Like the crowd health like you could you know there's so many cool implementations that you can do here but i'm just thinking about okay well if my kid doesn't do this then uh, you know they don't you know the time lock won't happen so <laughs> that's right oh, man. wow yeah i think it opens up yeah a whole new ball game whether it's crowdfunding or yeah you take out the trash and you get your ten thousand sats or whatever whatever it is yeah having that timing um yeah, i think just enables so many more use cases i like the idea of having the templates Robin, giving people something to choose from, because sometimes it can be overwhelming. I think for an individual yes. or company saying, where do I even start? Say, hey, this is where you, this is where you can start. And then uh, yeah, really walk them through that process of here's how we can tweak it to your situation. But because, um, yeah, I agree, even being you know with Unchained and having two of three and having someone there to walk you through it. I personally, you know, a customer is amazing. Right. And to be able to have someone in sessions. I know so many people go to you for help and advice from an individual level and how to get set up because there are so many tools out there. Um, but yeah, I think the user experience and design will be an important element as well. Yeah, there's, there's a lot there. All right. Well, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, we'll round out this topic. Very interesting. Uh, I think there's a, a lot, it sounds like there's a lot coming down the pipe and there's going to be, uh, you know, people are always like, Geez, do you ever worry that you're going to run out of tutorials to do? Apparently fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ben. <laughs> but yeah, so, there, you know, I've got my work cut out for me and that's a good problem to have. So awesome. Um, with that, uh, Rob, thank you for that topic. Loved it. Uh, we're going to do a rotation now. And uh, again, shout out to people in the comments uh, or in the chat here. Um keep them coming. I'm going to start pulling up some more comments here too. Uh, I just want to 
uh, TGEM in, in the comments was saying uh, this functionality will be key for setting up internal controls for Bitcoin management, which is going to be needed uh, more. Uh, ad corporations look to actually incorporate Bitcoin into operations, setting up controls for a petty Bitcoin account who can sign off on spending at what limits, fund control by head office and branches, cash sweeps for creditors. Yeah, I mean, there's there's yes. so much there. Uh, it's 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 wild. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, but with that, we're gonna rotate. I'm gonna toss it to Aaron here. I'm gonna tee you up with the same simple question: Why are you bullish? Uh, I was gonna change my answer. I'm bullish on Anchor Watch now. <laughs> <laughs> Shut it down. Um, yeah. So I, I guess where I'm bullish and, and kind of where where we sit in the industry is on the Bitcoin mining side, we're, we're kind of at a, a point in the cycle um, within within the mining kind of sphere that we're seeing kind of a changing of the guards when it comes to fo new folks entering the space, you know, new fresh capital being deployed uh, in, into the mining space. We're, we see it obviously on the mining pool side, on the ASIC brokerage side, on the hosting side, uh, and now on the derivative side. So it's, it's uh, and on, I guess, despite being in the bear market and, and despite being at, you know, 21K today, uh, seeing that rotation kind of come through from color old to new is fascinating to watch. And I want to say real time, it's, it's kind of slow real time, but it is occurring. Um, and it makes me bullish because there's, there is quite a few folks that had enough patience to wait over the past year, let's call it. And they've just been kind of lurking in the background, uh, waiting for the opportune time to kind of deploy capital. And a lot of those guys are starting to deploy capital in the space. Um, and that's exciting to watch. Um, it's great from a business development perspective as well, but uh, um, seeing that, seeing the, the kind of the changing of the guards um, is, makes me excited for what's gonna be happening and then, you know, call it late 2023, early 2024 in the mining space. And that's just on the mining side. That's just on the things that we can kind of measure, but, when you start to look at, uh, you know, to back up a bit, the best part of my job is I get to talk to miners uh, and the whole industry every single day. Uh, and it's various facets of the industry. And that includes the services side of things. So there's a lot of kind of service related companies that are that are engaging in the space, seeing where the opportunity is, which when I kind of back out from that, that's helping that whole uh, you know, Bitcoin mining space mature. Uh, when you talk about insurance, uh, when you talk about taxes and accounting and all that, people are, when you start to engage with some of these folks, they understand it or they've been doing it for a while. So it's less painful to kind of engage with them, uh, you know, from a, a Bitcoin miner to a service kind of vendor side of things. And it's encouraging uh, because when you look at the space two, three years ago, it wasn't like that, right? It was just like some shady guys with a bunch of noisy hot computers uh, and, you know, probably illegal mining containers, you know, trying to take care of stranded energy. So, it's, it's, it's exciting to see where we'll be in another two years or whatever the next cycle is uh, in regards, not only on scale, but just as, as a mature industry, um, you know, benefiting um, various levels of the stack when you, when you look at it that way. So um, I'll, I'll leave it there, see where the discussion is. But Interesting. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open it up to the other guys first. I want to dive in first because I, I, I've been taking up too much of the mic. But uh, John or Rob, if you want to dive in, questions, comments, go ahead. Yeah, I think observing the mining space, not having really participated, but talking and, and being in the space and been up at Bitcoin Park and now in Austin and just seeing 
the demand response and the way that miners are able to step up here in Texas has been interesting. But yeah, I think you are seeing, it sounds like the shakeout and now more development, those that were more conservative and didn't kind of get out over their skis when we had the last peak in November 21, you know, are now able to get in at a, you know, get miners at a lower price and continue to see the hash rate growing, I think is super bullish for Bitcoin, despite all the you know, setbacks in the short term last year. So it's interesting to hear, you know, your perspective. And I think having seen another merger this week, more capital being deployed, as you said, mm -hmm. ultimately mining is security. Mining is, you know, really what's powering Bitcoin, you know, TikTok next block. So to hear from you and be interested to hear more what you're seeing, um, talking to these service providers and who else is wanting to get into Bitcoin and understanding that you can essentially print money now, you know, and you, it's, it's a free for all. It's the most competitive market in the world. And where is that stranded energy? Is it in the US or is it international? And then where is that political risk? I think as well, where you're seeing certain countries, whether it's the miners leaving China and now having to leave Kazakhstan or now in Paraguay, you know, other countries where you thought you know, there's a lot of potential for energy here, um, but mm -hmm. getting rug pulled. So how do you kind of mitigate that risk as a miner too is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I, I mean, there's, just what we kind of see too is like uh, I, I call it the kind of like mining is the gateway drug into Bitcoin, right? Like I think people when they start looking at Bitcoin, uh, mining is one of the things that they connect with first, right? Because it, it's it's tangible, right? They say, okay, I plug this machine in, I get X amount of you know Bitcoin revenue a day. I mean, I, I can kind of feel and touch and feel that. Whereas like um, I feel like when you talk to a lot of OGs, that's kind of where they first started and then they kind of go down that path and, and you know, and end up where they do. Um, where it's really exciting and what we really see is obviously the engagement on the utility side. Um, you know, they're starting to engage and actually start to look to attract folks to their various jurisdictions. I mean, recent, I think this past week, we saw Dennis and uh, the Satoshi Action Fund in Mississippi and some of the, the stuff that they're passing there, you know, kind of on the heels of Wyoming, what they did, I think it was about a year ago now. Um, and that's encouraging, right? Um, what's happening in, in Texas uh, with some of the demand response stuff and some of the other states are taking notice of that and kind of up in their uh, game when it comes to demand response. But when you look outside of North America and you start to talk to miners, like it's, it's, it's very similar progression to what North America has had over the past or sorry, uh, yeah, over the past year and a half since, you know, quote unquote, the China ban is there just, you know, a couple of years behind as to where we're at right now. And that's going to be encouraging and exciting to watch, you know, um, Dubai being one of those as an example. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's always fresh um, and, and, you know, lessons to be learned uh, from each kind of jurisdictions as you, as you watch it grow. Um, so super bullish on that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I have a few questions here in the in the in the comments, if that's all right with you. Uh, there's yeah. Um, so so Tatum was asking about like, um, is, do you have an opinion on on like it, you know home mining if the industry standard keeps evolving towards industrial scale? Do you think home mining kind of uh, dissipates further, or do you think it continues to like? Is, is there a future for home mining is what he's getting at. Absolutely. Um, whether, you know, I think it's geographic dependent, right? So um, it'll always find the, the cheapest energy, whether that's in North America, South America, 
you know, Europe worldwide, there'll always be home miners. They're just a lot more um, um, portable when, when you look at it. Uh, the problem with the industrial mining is in order, you have to scale, um, but then now you're kind of become, you're self-centralizing yourself. And we kind of saw that within the North American market this year, right? You got to a certain scale, um, things weren't hedged properly and things kind of, you know, ended up blowing up at the end of the day, unfortunately. But I mean, the home miners kept going um, and then dispersing. So you kind of saw that migration of uh, miners going from North America to South America, as an example, and some of these older equipment finding um, new homes in some of these other kind of cheaper jurisdictions. I guess Paraguay is probably a great example of that. Um, It'll, it'll be ebbs and flows for sure, but I don't I don't think the home mining as you know the home miners won't ever go away. They'll always find like unique and creative ways to um, whether it's integrate with kind of current you know home heating systems or whatever and still mine Bitcoin. Like they'll always be the most creative and entrepreneurial out of the bunch. And then usually what happens is, is those guys are the ones that scale into some of the larger mining farms, whether it's in the local geography or you know they look elsewhere. So that's generally where it starts. Like you, you talk to any like OG miner, and it's like, oh, I just started my garage, at, you know, back in 2017 or 2015, and and now they have one of the <laughs> largest mines uh, in North America, as an example. So that's generally how it starts. There, uh, there's another one here that was asking about uh, Texas, Texas. Um, like where, where are the uh, the miners, um, do they tend to like, is there a certain geographic region in, in Texas that's, um, you know, tends to be minor dense or is it kind of distributed evenly? Any ideas there? West Texas is, seems to be the, the hot spot. Um, and I'm no expert on, on the grid there. I kind of rely on the miners to feed me the information there, but that, that seems to be the hot spot when you start to look at where everybody's kind of setting up. And I think that's just, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to get ahead of my skis here, but that's just where the cheapest power uh, due to some of like the wind and the grid kind of constraints that uh, Texas has. But um, that's where you kind of see majority of the large miners setting up. Hmm. Interesting. Um, or have set up. Yeah. I, to, to Tatum's uh, uh, earlier question too about home mining. I, I, I mean, I'm curious if you'd agree with me on this, Aaron, is home mining may come now, you know, I, I think it'll begin to focus more on, uh, you know, utilizing heat to offset existing expenses already. So, like, there's people that are retrofitting their hot water heaters with miners that are, are heating their homes with miners or hot tubs or whatever. Like, if you can find a use for that heat that was incurring a cost previously, then you don't have to be you're not thinking about is the miner profitable you're just thinking about what am i am i offsetting the cost it was taking me to obtain this heat from another source uh and and if it's a yes then it's a no brainer so you you kind of hone in on the the uh the, the same type of economic uh incentives that you get on, on like oil and gas wells where the like things that the gases that would have been flared are now being used to, to mine um, mm -hmm. where it, it's waste or it was perhaps incurring like a carbon tax or there was, there was a cost associated with it or there was a, a loss or it was just waste anyways. While, mm -hmm. you know, that same kind of economic incentive can play out at home of, well, I'm, I'm offsetting a cost now. So, yeah, you 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 get into a situation where the profit profitability calculation is entirely different. 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the fundamental uh, rule of mining, right? You, you're basically arbitraging energy prices. So whether that's a stranded substation in Ohio, uh, stranded gas in Wyoming or North Dakota, uh, you, like you're always going to have these entrepreneurs. And that's why I love talking to Bitcoin miners because it's some of the most entrepreneurial people <laughs> I've, I've met. It's like, it's insane. Um, yeah. Talking to like a group in, um, in the Middle East uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's just, it's just fascinating to to listen to these guys um, where you, you know, and again, that's going to scale, right? So it's these guys developing these home, you know, uh, like what Haley did over at Imperium digital with the hot water tank. Um, uh, that's going to scale. I mean, you hear about the green tech guys doing and geo bit mine, doing greenhouses with Bitcoin mining. And then starting to hear rumors about salmon farming in the Nordics with Bitcoin mining, uh, which is just incredible. And like, you're going to see all these like really cool use cases and that's going to scale and that's going to go big. And then before you know, it, it's not just going to be a Bitcoin mine. It's going to be like Bitcoin mine, salmon farming and all this other kind of cool integration right. stuff to kind of diversify. So, yeah, super interesting. Um, it, it enables just a ton of creativity. And I've heard Rod mention this too, but having those products eventually be off the shelf, yeah, where you have uh, BTC mining dryers or washers or, or heaters and making that accessible for individuals. Maybe it's harder in a city when, you know, you're in a high rise, but for anyone, you know, that's in a single family home or in a community where you can utilize and wherever, whatever that energy is in that locale or the work that needs to be done, Bitcoin mining can be paired with that and, enable you know more prospering for individuals yeah and just because i haven't uh riffed anything on errands just very quickly uh i was at the mining summit last night month and it was great to see a lot of people at bitcoin park that were working on this and we talk about the institutional adoption of bitcoin we're thinking the asset itself but i really think a lot of the institutional adoption happened in the mining industry with all these publicly traded companies last cycle and you had a lot of capital come in you had a lot of people push in and to uh the like the thought around home mining I think in the United States, just given the capital scale that's been deployed into U.S. infrastructure, it's going to be hard to compete with that unless you have some sort of specially unique edge. It's not going to be something that residentially you're going to be able to compete on. But I will say, uh, you mentioned Dubai earlier, Aaron. I was I actually flew from Dubai. I was at the Satoshi Roundtable to oh. Bitcoin Park. So I flew right directly to Nashville. I still have not seen my family. And <laughs> hi. Love you guys. <laughs> I'm still alive. Uh, I haven't seen them in like two weeks. Uh, but the over there in Dubai, if you're um, from Dubai, if you're a national, uh, you only pay two cents a kilowatt hour for your power. It's all subsidized. Wow. So that is going to be the kind of frontier that people start messing around with. And they have so much um, energy grid capacity with the nuclear power plants they're building over there. It is an amazing opportunity. And I think we're going to see more of a global, and I think it's really healthy for the sake of the network having this global distribution of hash rate anyway. There's what, 40% maybe roughly in the United States right now. You're going to be able to have, uh, Bitcoin miners are energy pirates. They just go to where it's cheap and then they pillage it until it's no longer cheap. And I think <laughs> what you're going to have happen is you're going to start looking at the global stage and thinking about where you're going to be able to find those edges. Yeah. 100% Tatum. I would do unspeakable <laughs> things for two, kilo, two cent kilowatt hour power. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, well, I, I mean, barring anything else, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll round up that topic there. There's so much going on in and around. I mean, it's, it's so interesting to see um, the obvious marriage of, of, and the energy sector and the mining sector. I mean, really they are one and the same 
so I, that will continue to play out, I'm sure, for for quite some time to come. Uh, I wanted to pull up one other uh, comment here, uh, a little bit a little bit uh, off topic, uh, but uh, uh, Pepe is is bullish on Rob's nips. He would like you to show me the nips. He has spelled it uh, out many times in in the uh, in the comments. So uh, you know mm. we, can, we can be bullish on nips. Uh, I know that it may be difficult to remove a, a Nordic cold clothing there, but uh, well, no. swing by Bitcoin Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, there's an after hours show, I suppose. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to pay. You got to go to the Patreon for that. We'll uh, we'll we'll see in there. This it's on the only OnlyFans. It's actually it's only sat. I yeah. have that domain only sat, and I'm very. Oh, there you go. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, of course. <laughs> no, not only sat. Oh, sorry. Sat sat simps. Sorry, I wanted only sat uh, sat simps though. I got sat simps, so you can sign oh, okay. up and be a sat simp. Pepe Chulo. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Oh, and. Uh, uh, one last thing for Aaron, actually, uh, outside of Nips, uh, <laughs> Robert Smith uh, was wondering: Do you have any input on the IBM Asics? Did you hear anything about them? I do not. Um, interesting. Yeah, so, yeah I, I, I'd be I, curious I, to learn more. Yeah, no, I, I don't think uh, I, I was unfamiliar with uh, that as well. well that, that'll be a have, for another show. I suppose. they don't have chip fab plants. They don't have the chip fab infrastructure, right? So they're anyway. Yeah. yeah. Unless he means I, Intel, uh, but yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe Intel. I, yeah, I, if it's IBM, I, I unfortunately I don't have much information there. But now you have me curious. So thanks for ruining my Friday night. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we're gonna round out that topic there. Thank you for that, Aaron. I appreciate it. Uh, we're gonna do one more rotation again. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Keep them coming. Uh, but we're gonna jump over to John and again. Last time of the show, I'm going to cue you up with the simple question. Why are you bullish? I'm bullish about Bitcoin because Bitcoin provides a pathway to individual sovereignty. I think it enables individuals to truly experience freedom. So Bitcoin, I think, really is a way of challenging individuals, helps you think about what is and is not important in your life, but also brings really a heightened awareness of self and peace of mind. I think it helps people become present in the moment, but also enables the low time preference. So now you can really think truly about the future. And I think for that individual sovereignty and that freedom, it's connecting 8 billion humans in the world for this in the network, where now we can transact with one another and exchange our services or products or whatever value we want to provide to the world and receive that value back and really opening up to that world. So for me, I've love traveling. And last year, this time I was actually living in Bali uh, with my wife and I was doing a yoga teacher training. And during this three week course, we really dove into a lot of philosophy and principles of yoga. And as I was already along my Bitcoin journey and Bitcoin rabbit hole and really only found it, I'd say at the end of 2020 and then really digging in in 2021, I started seeing all the similarities there around individual freedom and being able to just like in Bitcoin, you can always tap into the network. It's open to anyone. Well, you can always tap into yourself and you can go deeper and understand uh, yourself. And going and interacting with Bitcoin, I think, with others around the world and seeing the different perspective, getting out of our, you know, the U.S. or Western bubble was also key for me and seeing that individual sovereignty. Um, on that trip, we also went to Zimbabwe and was orange pilling some folks there. My safari guide, Mike, another um, 
a, a healer and leader of a community there. And when you start getting into the principles of decentralization and having a consensus mechanism to come to decisions, they understood Bitcoin right away. And when you, you know, see Bitcoin being adopted in places like El Salvador uh, and also visiting uh, Bitcoin Akasi and Muscle Bay in South Africa, it's really empowering individuals to be able to have access to financial services and to be able to save for the first time in their life. And that's the peace of mind aspect because you know now that you can preserve your purchasing power and the work that you've produced today to be able to get the goods and services that you'll need to live as a human being you know, into the future that can't be debased, that can't be stolen from you, uh, from anyone else. And there's really an important concept in yoga called Dharma, and it's all about purpose. It's finding your purpose energy. It's having that passion for anything in life and being able to have tools to be on that path to sovereignty and whether it's breath work and meditation or nutrition and what you're putting in your body every day or the work that you're doing. I think we've seen and in, in personally interacting with the Bitcoin community in so many different places, you see that passion, you see individuals who really love what they're doing and, and have a greater purpose, not only to help others, but also to have that individual you know, fulfillment and peace and knowing that, you know, you're in the right place at the right time and, and helping others along that journey. So, you know, I think travel and Bitcoin and seeing the other communities too. And what, one last riff I'll have is I was just in Buenos Aires in Argentina and seeing almost living through when money dies and you have just an outrageous, you know, hundred percent inflation rate. In Argentina, the blue rate for cash, if you bring dollars, is twice as much as what the government will give you for purchasing power. Um, and had an awesome tour from Geronimo, who's uh, down in Buenos Aires. And interestingly enough, they actually have a um, museum of the central bank to showcase all of the failed currencies <laughs> of the last 70 years. And it's just wild to see, you know, you won't necessarily notice it walking on the streets, but people feel that stress. They feel that anxiety of knowing that their fiat is going to be constantly losing value. You know, it's hard to, for us to fathom, but having that hundred percent inflation year over year and knowing that it's only accelerating that direction is incredibly distressing, I think for individuals. So to be able to come back to Bit to Bitcoin and, you know, really why I'm bullish is that it brings power back to the individual. It enables you to find that inner peace. And, you know, I think that, it's just so cool to see all the different angles then and taking control of also your health, right? And now, you know, with crowd health, we're saving in Bitcoin instead of paying high time preference insurance premiums, right? So now in 10 years from now, if you have a surgery, you know, you've got Bitcoin you've saved. And what is that? Will the doctor being be uh, willing to accept Bitcoin instead of dollars? Probably, I would think so. Or at least it's worth <laughs> saving there because who knows if Medicare will even be around in a few years to pay for you know everyone's healthcare needs. And that's, you know, $4 trillion a year in the U.S. So I think just bringing why I'm bullish, I continue to add conviction you know, each day. And the more I hear about the innovations going on and how individuals can add their own flavor and use Bitcoin and transact with anyone around the world and really what the Lightning Network brings as well just has so many possibilities that we I think it's hard to imagine today, but we'll continue to build into the future. I, I love this um, kind of journey of self-discovery Bitcoiners often go on that I, that I hear so often where it's, you know, you, you 
uh, so many people come to Bitcoin and they just, you know, they see hear about it a few times and they, it's, it's typically, especially in Western countries that you, you come out of speculation, then you start learning about money and, and then you start saying, well, maybe I, I want to save in a, a money that won't get debased. And you go, maybe go down the Austrian economics uh, rabbit hole. And then you start learning about low time preference and, and extrapolating that out to other parts of your life in and around health, what you're eating, you know, how you're treating your body, exercise, um, and even building local communities. And, and you know, I've, I've kind of had that, like you're alluding to, that progression of of learning all this stuff and, and then starting to tailor my life to those values um, and, and, you know, trying to eat healthier, trying to spend time, like actually, you know, making sure that I, I take time for, you know, time for myself, time for my family, uh, but also surrounding myself with great people in and around Bitcoin. Um, and then also diving into building communities. Like I, I live on a Bitcoin standard now, you know, I'm, I'm buying my beef from a local rancher. I'm going tomorrow morning to pick up my eggs, uh, for again, from a local person who has like 20 chickens, uh, and paying in Bitcoin. And so I'm starting to, again, like it, it's, it's very easy to just complacently sit back and, and, uh, and just do the speculation thing. But I, I think more and more Bitcoiners are kind of going down the road of, like you said, of, of self-sovereignty and exploring the various ways in which you can partake in that. Uh, and it's really unique to see. I have one other little thing I was going to mention. You were just, you were in, said you were in Bali last year. Uh, I, I got married in Bali uh, in 2016. And it was like, just as I started the channel, actually, like a, a few months afterwards. Um, and I got married in Ubud and, uh, and I, did you go to, were you in Ubud at all? Amazing. Yeah. We were in Ubud for a bit. My yoga did, teacher training was a bit east of there and then did another week long training in Ubud as well. Did you happen to visit the little, uh, like co-working space called, uh, Hubud? Hubud. Uh, I don't think so. If it's still it, around, I'm not sure. It's uh, So I, I, I went there and it was. I think I had just missed uh, Andreas had done a talk there literally like a month prior. And so I had just missed his talk and he was like, obviously very integral to anybody that kind of got into Bitcoin early, probably watched a ton of his talks, uh, but it, it, they had a Bitcoin ATM there and everything. And so I went in and I was cu all curious about it. I got to show everybody and say, see, it's not pretend there's actual things happening. So uh, yeah, no, I, I, there's a, a soft spot, uh, in my heart for Bali. I, I remember that at the time, uh, cause it's the Indonesian rupiah is the currency there. And at the time one sat was one rupiah. And so we, we hit, that might be a parody. Parody. <laughs> there you go. uh, but I can't recall I, i'd be curious i gotta look it up afterwards uh maybe while while other people are chatting to see what what it's at now but uh uh yeah nonetheless um that's really cool to hear so uh maybe i'll, I'll toss it to, to aaron or rob if you guys want to jump in comments questions whatever um yeah. i have a question for john actually so rob um just being like kind of traveling uh to a bunch of different countries being a, you know, a nomad a bit uh, i've been uh, unfortunately having kids a little bit more tied down uh, so very jealous but like kind of where do you see or how have you 
I guess let me back it up. When you have talked to folks about Bitcoin in some of these countries, like what has been the reception, understanding, you know, their the currency debasement and the hyperinflation and stuff like that. And and the second part to that question is how have you seen them uh, react to the hyperinflation? What have, how have they have adapted to that, right? Because it's not like an overnight or in some cases an overnight thing, but, you know, it's not just, you know, normal one day, 100% the next day kind of thing, um, inflation. So I'm curious on your, on your, um, uh, yeah, word. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, definitely a lot, a lot of thoughts on that. And I think it can, it depends a lot on the location. So for example, it, and how, it's traumatic, you could say that, you know, how quick the experience was. So definitely for, you know, those in Zimbabwe that experienced hyperinflation very quickly, you know, I bought a hundred billion dollar, you know, Zimbabwe um, bill, you know, as a kind of a token and said, oh, this expires in three months too. So their mm -hmm. savings were basically stolen overnight. So they, when you've had that personal experience of losing your entire savings, Bitcoin resonates very quickly, I would say. And then also interestingly enough for the um, more rural community, they liked, or they were fine in that time because they were the ones producing food. So all of a sudden the government's going to them and paying them a lot more and their food becomes that much more mm. valuable. And they're used to storing value in cows and goats is <laughs> usually how they're saving for the mm. future when they do earn more. Um, but I think for those locations that it happens slower and that theft of inflation and stealing people's time doesn't happen overnight you don't see as much or as quick of the adoption. I think I saw in the comments too about, you know, Argentina's adoption. And despite 100% inflation, you don't see as much adoption as you would think um, is what I learned from, you know, Geronimo because people you know, don't touch the stove as closely or because also 40% of people are completely living off of government subsidies. And there is this disincentive to work uh, and people are so used to that. Um, aspect that they maybe haven't found Bitcoin yet. So that's why I think the education perspective comes in. And usually if you can meet people where they are and listen to their experience, um, you know, there's always something to talk about. And that's where, uh, you know, and I think the experience in Bali too is interesting from, you know, COVID perspective, then it being shut down for a couple of years. Ben, when you were there, the Bitcoin uptick was huge. And I think you had a lot of um, circular economy going on in Bali. And then when you know, 90% of their economy's tourism and that was shut down. And then now the government could go in and say, because the rupee is failing too, and their biggest bill was worth about $7. It's like a hundred thousand rupiah, just like in Argentina. Now the biggest bill in circulation is worth $3, right? So you have these bills that aren't worth much, but then they tell the shop owner to take down the, I accept Bitcoin and people forget or lose the ability to use it. I wasn't really spending any Bitcoin in Bali when if I was there three, four years ago, I probably would have been able to. So it's interesting too. I think you kind of see this ebb and flow that, you know, at least momentum can be slowed by a government that's more adversarial and protective of their currency. And that's where it comes down to individuals uh, showing. And I think even in, I'd love to get over to the Philippines. You know, they have a Bitcoin retreat coming up in March and Bill was presenting um, when we had a, a media meet up recently at the commons and they've onboarded like 250 merchants in a month or two and they're showing why bitcoin is really better than their current way that they can transact digitally mm -hmm. so bringing that home for individuals and making it easy uh i think but yeah you so that's where gradually then suddenly too but you yeah. still have 200 fiat currencies around it's crazy so we're still just that early
I, uh, I, I looked up what, uh, what the rupiah in terms of Bitcoin was worth when I was there. It was around uh, a whole Bitcoin at the time would have been worth about, oh, that, that might not even be, I'm, I'm curious if they're basing it on current price. I think it was around eight, eight, let's see, one Bitcoin would have been like eight million sats, eight and a half million sats. Uh, now, oh, sorry, uh, one uh, eight and a half million rupees, yeah. Uh, and and now it's uh, 328 million, so thir- <laughs> 38 or 39 times, roughly, I think. So, oh. yeah, interesting, <laughs> wild, yeah. It's uh, John, what was the uh, the phrase you made before about like the determinist, like, like sense of purpose, like a like a Buddhist principle, was it? Like what's yeah, that dar- called? Dharma. Dharma. Yeah, that, that, that resonated with me as a concept. Uh, just the idea of, I think that's a lot of the movement of Bitcoin in general. Everyone finds meaning in working on this very hard problem. And I was having a conversation earlier today with someone and having an observation that culturally movements that, uh, movements that are more free focused and there, uh, there's less friction. It's more of an open kind of like general like momentum tend to have a, uh, a higher likelihood of winning and this is like why in the great fight between the united states and the soviet union the soviet union had so much this is actually from jordan peterson the idea of like this enforcement cost of maintaining that rigid structure in society becomes like sand in the gears and it requires more and more effort to try and maintain it whereas if you have a, a freedom focused system it can actually self-organize and be able to be prosperous right uh that's kind of like bitcoin's movement i think it's a lot of people who have a sense of dharma and focusing on this problem and that's why mm-hmm. cycle in cycle out there's still people here we're all working building thinking about these really hard problems and because it gives us a lot of meaning in a certain way and i'm about a year now um having started anchor watch and every day i get to wake up tackling the exact problem that i chose and it's something that gives me uh i tell people like you know how's work like you're working long hours and genuinely like work is play in a real sense of that it's a real joy to be working on really hard problems that could have a lot of impact and make the world a better place and help bitcoin adoption it's a you know it's a very exciting time you know in this industry i think there's a lot of great things to be coming over the next couple of years yeah 100 there's 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 no shortage of interesting things coming down the pipe um i don't know if i i i I don't know if I want to add too much there. Uh, I don't know. John, do you, do you have any other final thoughts that you want to throw out there before I uh, kind of get everybody's final thoughts on everything? Or uh, does anybody have any other final questions on this topic? Uh, yeah, just say, um, you know, it's it's a path. It's a process. And I think finding that alignment and that purpose as an individual and connecting with others um, is always available. So it's in, in a, and it's voluntary. I think to your point, Rob, that what ends up winning in the long run is something that people are voluntarily doing uh, on their own. And you can always tap into it. And just like we're always breathing and in, throughout the day, you may not think about it as much. It's another way to tap into how you feel and what you're doing and how you move about the day. And if you feel that purpose or you feel that tug, to you know, get into the Bitcoin space, there's always, there's always different opportunities and it's as easy as a DM on Twitter or see what people are doing out there. So continuing to show up, uh, I think in, a, in alignment and continuing to provide other people that, that courage to you know, go for it. Awesome. 
I love that. All right. Well, I'm going to round out our final topic here. Um, I always like to finish the show uh, by doing a quick round of, I, I, I know, John, you just got out a few of your final thoughts, but uh, we'll, we'll do a quick round of uh, final thoughts. And um, if you have a recommendation for something that you think people should check out. And when I say recommendation, it can literally be anything that's top of mind, whether it be like uh, a book, a podcast, a video, a, um, a, a website, an application, uh, a, a, a device, a, a life lesson that you've come across that you think would be useful for the people watching in their Bitcoin journey or just in their life journey, uh, as it may be. Uh, so I'll, I'll kind of get us started. Um, you guys can kind of mull over, you know, what where you might want to send people. But um, yeah, I mean, final thoughts here. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot being built. There's a lot of interesting things coming down the pipe, uh, whether it be, again, like the, the, the you know, Bitcoin kind of sucking the air out of the room, whether it be with interesting things like like uh, mini scripts, uh, you know, in and around the mining space, um, all of these different tools that are kind of being built in and around Bitcoin, how efficient it is and and more eyeballs coming to it as people realize that it's kind of quite different from everything else that claims to have improved upon Bitcoin. Um, and it sends us down these interesting kind of uh, personal growth pathways as well. Um, so I, I'll just say to people, again, th there's never a shortage of new things to learn. Keep learning. Um, I'm going to say uh, as my thing to send people to check out today, um, I, I think... I'd love people to dive into uh, different ways of, of securing your Bitcoin, just familiarizing yourself with some of the options out there and, and kind of the versatility that's there currently, and then kind of juxtapose that in a few years of some of the new options that, that come down the pipe. So, you know, right now, I'm sure a lot of people watching this probably utilize a hardware wallet, single SIG. And, and that's kind of their their thing. And maybe they've only dealt with a single hardware wallet. Take a peek around and just kind of see um, the, the, the difference that has maybe kind of uh, manifested since you first got your, your original hardware wallet. Look at some of the other options out there. See what there is. And then even try using your hardware or however you're securing your Bitcoin with different interfaces. Like if you're... If you're on a ledger, you're on a Trezor and you're using like a proprietary application like Ledger Live or, or Trezor Suite, you know, download Sparrow Wallet. See what it's like to use a different interface that gives you even more information about how you're using Bitcoin um, or, or Sparrow Wallet or Nunchuck or whatever it is. Just investigate and learn a little bit beyond. Take a little step outside your comfort zone and just kind of see what's out there and then Again, it'll be fun to look back in a few years and say, wow, I didn't even know about all this stuff. And then look at all the new stuff that's gone, uh, that's that's kind of uh, come down the pipe since then. So, uh, and if you're looking to get started, again, if you haven't used a separate interface, go download Sparrow Wallet. Uh, I, I think it's pretty badass. They just had a great update as well. You can now use things like TapSigner on your computer if you get a, an NFC 
uh, pad for your laptop. It's now <laughs> uh, tap signer is now available on desktop. So there's lots of interesting things happening. Uh, and I encourage you to pursue them. So with that, uh, I'll rotate over to Rob. Uh, I'll say if you have any final thoughts, feel free to drop them. And if you have a recommendation as well. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on, Ben. Uh, final thoughts are, uh, if you're interested in learning more about this, you can follow me on Twitter. It's one of the main things I'm tweeting about at Rob Wanham. If you want to learn anything about what we're building at Anchor Watch or Trident Wallet, uh, which is what we're building on top of, of Miniscript. Uh, and always open, um, DMs open if you want to reach out, have any questions, like love thinking about this stuff, uh, love hearing other people's thoughts and ideas as we're you know continuing to build. And for something to check out, I'm, I'm going to suggest Bitcoin Clubhouse. So Clubhouse was a social audio app that came out uh, during the pandemic. It's actually where I met um, all my initial investors as well as my co-founder. And it's this uh, really great social audio app that uh, you get to like have conversations like this. And sometimes we're talking about sports, sometimes, you know, uh, other random debauchery is going on. Uh, it's a really great time. Uh, often that's where American HODL is hanging out. But he was the whole, he just came back to Twitter. So it's less novel now, but it's basically a radio show with him and everyone else just kind of riffing on politics, Bitcoin, macro, whatever you have it. And it's a really fun time. And like, you don't have to get up on stage. You can listen to the audience. We don't record the rooms. It's uh, here's what it is. And, and Hoddle had this observation. Twitter spaces is the conference. Clubhouse is the bar after the, the speakers are done talking. So if you want to have a fun time and, and everyone, like it's a knife fight. There's no, like, it's my turn to speak. It's a whole knife fight and everyone's having a fun and a good time. And if you want to have a little bit of that vibe of like being at the bar at the conference, check out Clubhouse. <laughs> that is a hundred percent the vibe that I get when I, it's, it's kind of few for because like I, I get so many notifications from it like it's just I have it on an iPad and it's like if I'm you know if I've designated okay like I, I actually have some time to kill then I'll, I'll I'll pull that open but yeah it's it's uh, a different vibe from like curated spaces for sure yeah yeah I love it. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> great recommendation. Uh, let's jump over to Aaron. Final thoughts, recommendations. Take it away. Uh, yeah. First and foremost, thanks for uh, thanks for organizing this, Ben. Appreciate it. It's a lot of fun um, for a Friday night. Um, I I want to say Twitter. Uh, it has always you have to kind of filter through the noise. That's how I kind of have been paying attention to the space since 2017 uh, and the pod, the typical podcast circuit. Um, that's how I, I call myself a boomer in this space because I feel like I am some days, but especially talking to Rob and, and mini scripts and stuff like that. So, um, uh, you know, obviously with um, Damas coming out and then Noster and stuff like that, that kind of filters through some of the noise, which I've been playing around with as well. Um, but when you kind of look at, you know, filtering in all the noise when you, depending on where you want to focus, I'll admit I'm not the most technical person in the world. Um, super interested to learn, you know, but, you know, I would go to, uh, you know, your, 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 your YouTube channel, Ben, to, to kind of learn a bit more about the technical aspects for a simple minded guy like myself, but we're, you know, for the folks that are interested in the Bitcoin mining space um, and understanding that um, I recommend checking out, you know, I'll do a shameless plug here, the hash rate index blog that we put out. Um, in addition to hashrateindex.com, there's a lot of kind of mining resources there. 
Um, we have a pretty uh, awesome content team for anything uh, Bitcoin mining related. So if that's the space that you are interested in, um, but that's the beautiful thing about uh, what we're doing uh, currently in the space that we operate in, and whether it's you know yourself, Rob, on the technical side, Ben, yourself on the uh, you know on the educational side, and John, you know yourself on uh, you know integrated Bitcoin on the you know the more services uh, kind of side. It's, it's it's awesome to see, and there's always space for somebody to kind of come in and take this thing to the next level, and and that's the. For anybody that spent time in in this uh, in this space, it's 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 never dull. <laughs> There's always something going on, um, you know. So it's 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 exciting, and that's that's what keeps uh, you know myself feeling young. Um, you know, I just can't keep up with it all all the, all the time. But I think uh, my encouragement for anybody that's new and, and listening, I think you just kind of have to start small, pick a lane that you want to learn, try not to learn everything all at once. Otherwise, you'll you'll just drown right away. So you know, kind of pick your passion and go with it and you'll, and you'll be surprised as to, to where it leads you. And in addition to that, ask questions, um, um, you know, whether it's Twitter, any of these kind of social stuff, reach out. Um, the amount of times people have DM'd myself asking questions um, or I've DM'd uh, some of the, you know, bigger guys in this space, they're always responsive. And it's, it always blows me away that I can have a conversation on, on call it a Twitter spaces or maybe a clubhouse with some guys, uh, you know, that are pretty high up in, in some of these uh, large, whether it's Bitcoin mining companies or, or um, you know, other kind of service areas. So it's, it, it's um, you don't typically get, get that in uh, typical corporate uh, America. So take advantage of it. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, John, I'm going to jump to you one more time. I know you might have gotten out a few of your final mm -hmm. thoughts already, but if you have recommendations or anything else you want to add, go ahead. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me and super fun discussion guys and hope to meet uh, you all in person too at one of the Bitcoin meetups or events in the future. Um, I think my final thoughts really being find your purpose energy. You know, Bitcoin is energy and we all have that energy inside of us as well. So notice and be aware of, you know, what makes you feel really alive. And also along the lines of what Aaron was saying is having an open mind. So being willing to take in new information and starting somewhere, not being overwhelmed sometimes by the noise, but also having to unlearn maybe what you were taught in the past, whether that was in school or university. I know from a lot of the Keynesian economics that we were fed, you know, that's, you know, prevailing narrative and then realizing, hey, there's a whole nother school of thought here and there isn't a right or wrong. It's priorities and it's how you choose to put your energy and you know your value towards so uh, my suggestion my recommendation for people is to go well first of all start reading that was the biggest thing for me is there's so many books out there that help me understand bitcoin not only also not being technical but understanding how it works but also from the philosophy perspective and even starting with the sovereign individual and realizing how prescient that book really was being written in the late 90s and seeing it now finally Play out with this you know digital nomad thesis reading layered money you know nick batia energy and civilization backlog smell and understanding our human uh needs and how that relates to bitcoin uh seventh property you know, eric yeggs having all these different books and resources out there that you know, depending on your background and what you already understand can take you to that next level and then when you get there and you're feeling good you know, go to your local bitcoin meetup and if there isn't one start one in your area you know, I'm a little spoiled here being in Austin now. There's so many meetups and amazing uh, things going on all the time. 
Um, but even if you're traveling or going somewhere else, go on Twitter, go other places and see, is there a local meetup here? Meetup.com has a lot of those resources uh, as well that I feel like a lot of Bitcoiners are, are organizing on. So, you know, I think, you know, the DMs are always open and want to have those conversations. I think that's what's awesome about Bitcoiners. We have an open mind, want to learn and create a better world. So, you know, get engaged is, is really my suggestion if you're just listening to this. And yeah, Sessions, your videos have been super helpful for me and even getting my lightning node set up. So I'd love to connect, <laughs> open up channels uh, with others and, you know, keep creating that network uh, together. Awesome. Well, I, I, again, great advice. The more you can get involved with people around you, the more you can interact with other Bitcoiners and learn from them, the better. So, uh, gentlemen, I'm going to say thank you so much for being here. Uh, a lot of fun, great conversation. Really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I'll just finish by saying you're all welcome back anytime. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, Have a good Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody, thank you so much for being here. Uh, give all these guys a follow. Their Twitter handles are listed down below in the show notes, and you'll be able to find everything that they're up to, what they've been talking about during the show. Uh, it'll all be down there. So, uh, yeah, go give them all a follow. All uh, awesome guys. And, uh, yeah, lots, lots, lots covered this episode. So I, I appreciate all of them. Uh, before we wrap up here, of course, uh, just wanted to say, again, like, subscribe, share, all those things. Super important. They help get this content in front of more eyeballs. Uh, I just did a little update to my website. So um, if you're looking to send people to kind of get started in their Bitcoin journey, because there's probably, you know, in the coming years, as as we kind of cycle through new people coming into Bitcoin, uh, they may be curious. So uh, I've got a getting started section on uh on my website and it'll take people through like resources. Uh, John was talking about various books. He mentioned the seventh property by Eric Yakes. Excellent, excellent book. So I've got a bunch of, uh, you know, suggestions on there of where people can go, how to use Bitcoin wallet. Everything is like linked there. So people can actually go and check out and like just one by one tick, uh, tick off all the different things you can do with Bitcoin. And then it goes from the basics all the way into like the more intricate, like how do I set up a node? How do I, you know, coin join and, and do all that kind of stuff and inheritance plan and all. So all of that is there. It's on the website. Also on the website, there's uh, a, a ton of other stuff. I've got, uh, uh, again, you can link directly to the YouTube. I do one-on-one sessions and then uh, in-person workshops, which by the way, if people are going to be down in Miami, Bitcoin conference. I hope to see many people there. I'm very excited. Mrs. Sessions will be joining me again. This is our second Bitcoin event. Actually, when we were with John uh, down in Charlotte, uh, that, that was her first ever Bitcoin event at, at Halloween, which was a lot of fun. But I will be in Miami. Very excited for it. Uh, if you're going, if you haven't got tickets yet, then uh, b.tc slash conference, you can use code BTC Sessions, get yourself 10% off. Uh, and I'm doing my cold card workshop down there. If you're going to be down there, if you haven't tried the cold card yet and you're looking to do so, well, there's still tickets left, although getting close to sold out. Uh, so you can just check that out. That's also at the website, btcsessions.ca. And uh, yeah, it's a four hour deep dive. We're going to be going through the basics. So you know how to set it up, back it up, do air gap transactions uh, and recover but also we're going to be diving into some of the more advanced features so that you know 
everything that you can get out of your cold car. So we're going to be covering that again, four hour deep dive in Miami. It's going to be on the Wednesday, the 17th uh, of May. So be sure to check that out. If you're in town, uh, maybe you want to attend. And this is not yet listed on the Bitcoin conference website as a satellite event. As soon as they drop that, it will be. And I'm sure it'll be sold out by that. So if you do want to get in there, uh, maybe check it out before everybody else finds out about it. Uh, and yeah, we'll wrap that up. Thank you guys so much for being here again, like sub share. You can hit up the sponsors down below nunchuck coin kite start nine and uh hodl hodl. And if you really liked what you saw, you can always drop me a Bitcoin tip on my strike page. You don't need strike to use it. Just go to strike.me slash BTC sessions, type in any amount you want, hit the tip button. You see a lightning invoice, or if you tap to the right, a regular Bitcoin QR code with that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening. I'll see you guys next time for your daily session. We have BTC sessions. Bitcoin is F your money. You can't stop it. Get yourself some Bitcoin and hold it yourself. Peer-to-peer exchange. You know, people are going to organically come to it and gravitate towards it, especially in the world we're living in now. It's incredible. It's a great tool, and I can't wait to see it proliferate everywhere.